We read together to remind us of where we are going, that is towards Jesus, allowing the scriptures, the Holy Spirit, and the family of God to form a fidelity of allegiance to him alone. Please read aloud with me as we confess this together. We believe the gospel is the good news that God our Father, the Creator, out of his great love for us, has come to rescue us from sin, Satan, death, and hell, and to renew all things in and through the work of Jesus Christ on our behalf, to establish his kingdom through his people who participate in loyal allegiance in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is for God's great glory and our profound joy. Well, good morning. Welcome to church. Glad you're here. My name is Matthew. If we haven't had a chance to meet personally yet, I'm one of the pastors, and it's a joy to be able to open up some scriptures with you today. So if you have a copy of uh, scripture with you, digital or in print form, go ahead and join me at, in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. And, and while you're turning there, I want to share with you a uh, story, a letter that we got um, in the last couple of weeks. I want to share with you someone faith story it says this is I came to faith church some four years ago I came with many wounds and much baggage much of them I was not even aware of and many were even self-inflicted for I want to thank the Holy Spirit for leading me here I, I want to thank the community of believers in this church for their love and faith who uh, through the Spirit of God has allowed that love to flow through you and it has ministered to me through your faith love patience I have been healed and delivered from many of these past wounds and set free from much of that baggage, I am so grateful and thankful. I see God through your faith, love, and patience, and doing many good things. Thank you for the bold preaching of the truth of God's word, which is not without power to perform it and transform us. So be blessed, and I am so, so grateful. Love hearing stories of what God is doing kind of in our midst, amen? And these stories kind of help build our own faith, right? Scripture tells us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So because of what Jesus has done for us, and when we share of our own stories and journeys, then man, there is something of strength that begins to grow in our own faith. And uh, I love hearing those things and I love seeing people share those. Well, Matthew chapter 13 is where we're at. We're continuing this collection of teachings entitled The King Jesus Gospel. And uh, we're walking through the, the book or the gospel according to Matthew. And uh, we've reached chapter 13 so far. And so we're just blazing through since we're like on week number 23 of this collection. And I believe that God has something for you today. You're here on purpose and uh, you're watching for a reason. And I believe God wants to share some things to you. Let's go Matthew 13, starting in verse 1 says this, later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. He had told them many stories in the form of parables such as this one. Now, pause. Who is Jesus beginning to teach? Not a trick question. The crowds, right? He, it was the crowds that now had gathered and he was beginning to talk to them. So there are a lot of people that are about to hear this parable. He said this, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds and he scattered them across his field. Some seed fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate them. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wiltered under the hot sun because it was Kansas and there was no rain. And... <clears throat> But the plants soon wiltered under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Soon other seed fell on thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. 
Still other seed fell on fertile soil. And that produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much had been planted. Anyone who with ears to hear should listen and understand. Somebody say, listen and understand. Now his disciples came to him and asked, why do you use parables when you talk to the people? Now who is Jesus getting ready to address? Disciples, very good. Open book test, right? You can follow right along his disciples. And he replied to his disciples, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others, they're not. Those who listen, somebody say listen, to my teachings, more understanding will be given and those, um, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But those who are not listening, even what little they understand they have will be taken away from them. This is why I use these parables. For they look, but do they not really see. They hear, but they do not really listen or understand. This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says this. When you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes, so their eyes cannot see, their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but they didn't see it. They long to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches it away, that very seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have that deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as has been planted. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, you gave us two ears. Help us not waste them. Amen. One of my favorite sayings, or maybe say it like this, one of the most helpful sayings that I've heard, and, and my pastor would say this often when I was on staff in uh, North Carolina for uh, about nine years. He had this phrase, and he would say this. He says, communication brings freedom. Communication brings freedom. You, you're sitting there wondering, oh man, what time was that practice for my kid? And you're wondering and you're wondering and you're worried and you're like, I, I can't remember, I don't remember. All it takes is a simple phone call or a text message to the coach and you ask, hey, what time was practice again? And all of a sudden now you are free to no longer worry about that thing. Now, this plays out in all of our lives. In fact, children, teenagers, uh, middle schoolers, let me help you out on something. Communication to and from your parents can help you experience freedom in your life. Hold on, let me help you. I've been helping my, my, my young people in my house understand this. Listen, if you want more freedom then it requires your parents to be able to trust you. Nothing will help strengthen the bonds of trust in your relationship with your parents than if you learn how to communicate well. Tell, ask them. Don't tell them what you want to do. Ask for the permission to do what it is that you want to do. And then when you ask and they say, yes, make sure the communication along the way is really good. If you're riding with some friends, what time are you getting there? Who's driving? Who else is going to be in the car? When you get there, let your parents know that you got there safely. When you're leaving, let them know. If plans are changing, communicate to them. Let them know when you're on your way home and make sure they're good with all of those things. Good communication helps you experience some freedom in your family life and all all the parents said, amen. 
Communication brings, brings fear. We all, we all communicate a little bit different. It has been said that men talk in straight lines and women talk in circles. <laughs> round and round and round and we're like, is there a point? <sighs> Anytime. I'm hanging in there, hanging in there. A man goes to drop their kids off at the middle school and the wife says, hey, how was school drop off? It was fine. They got there on time. The train wasn't an issue because I'm a NASCAR driver. <laughs> Beginning, middle, end. End of story. It's over. All the community. Husband asked the wife, hey, how was uh, middle school drop-off? Well, it was okay, but we got in the car, and the kids wanted to listen to a song, but then they switched the song, and we never really got to a full song, and they're just like you. They can't sit still, and they can't listen to one song, always changing it, changing it, changing it, changing it. And then we got there. The train was a little bit of an issue, but there wasn't a long line. I was able to sit there and watch the train go by. I enjoyed the day. I caught my breath, fixed my makeup, had some more coffee. It was a wonderful little peaceful time. But then the train moved, and we were able to get to the middle school. It was a really long line. The line was really, really long at the middle school because people are selfish and they haven't yet figured out that as long as there is sidewalk, that's where the first car goes all the way to the end of the sidewalk, past where the double doors are. And if they will just pull up all the way to the end of the sidewalk, we could get four more cars there. And this middle school line drop-off would pick up a lot, lot faster. But they haven't figured that out yet. And then on the way, I saw Sally. Sally was there. She looked like a mess. I don't know. Do you know what happened to Sally? I'm not sure what happened to Sally. Sally got... So the kids got there, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, they were there on time. <laughs> Different communication styles. Jesus had himself a little bit of a communication style. He, he wanted to tell some stories, these parables, and it's not that they didn't have a point. They absolutely had profound points. But the parables that Jesus told were told in such a way that the more you thought about them, the more you listened to them, the more, the more you interacted with the truth, the more that you begin to apply what you understood as you heard it, and then your knowledge would grow more and more and more. And you would continue to have these revelation moments, these moments of understanding that would grow deeper as we go. But the problem is, it's not that, that Jesus wasn't talking clearly. It's not that we often don't talk clearly. It's often that we are listening, but not necessarily listening to understand. Many times we listen until we think we understand, and then we respond. You ever do that? You talk with somebody, and you're, you're talking to them, and they really quit listening about halfway through because they already discovered what they wanted to say back in response. And they miss some of the nuance and they miss some of the things. This is my tendency. I have a tendency to listen until I know what I want to say. And then I'm ready to interrupt and tell you what you need to understand. And I have to rein that in in my own life to listen to really understand what the other person is saying. And the trouble is, for many of us, you've been around church maybe for a long time. Maybe church is a normal thing for you. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard that story before, Pastor. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know the parable of the seed, the sower. It's great. It's wonderful. Let's go to lunch early. And the problem is we don't ever really stop and allow. And maybe we miss out on what God is trying to say because we are simply familiar with what it is that we've heard before. But maybe, just maybe, if we would listen and we would stop and we would reflect and instead of trying to respond in some way, we would listen and just wait and wonder and allow maybe God to speak a little bit more to us. See, Jesus came to communicate some things to the world. He came to communicate the gospel of the kingdom. He came to announce some things to the world and to those around. But there were many religious people who assumed they knew what Jesus needed to say and were listening for something that they wanted to hear rather than understanding what Jesus actually said. And they were trying to uh, assume that they knew what Jesus would say. They, they came and they showed up and they listened to Jesus and they thought they knew what the kingdom of God looked like. But yet they didn't really understand what the kingdom of God looked like, even though Jesus was talking about what the kingdom of God looked like. 
And Jesus tells this, this part in between his parable and his reply and explanation to the disciples about the parable. He has this thing where he reaches back into history and he pulls from the words of the prophet Isaiah and he explains to the disciples why exactly people are listening to him preach these compelling things, seeing him do these amazing miracles in front of their eyes, but yet they still haven't got the fact that he is the king who has come, that he is the Messiah and he has come to fulfill some things. And Jesus himself, or, or Matthew writes of Jesus in verse 14 that we just read, he says, this fulfills the prophecy that Isaiah said. This fulfills it. Here's what you need to understand about the King Jesus gospel. What we need to understand about what the gospel really is. Gospel is good news that is proclaimed. News is an event that occurs. Something happens. Jesus is the fulfillment of Israel's story that was revealed through the prophets and the laws of the Old Testament. This is the good news Jesus came to announce. Jesus was trying to show up and talk to the crowds and talk to the disciples and talk to the religious leaders and say, hey, I need to communicate something to you. This puzzle that you have been putting together throughout your entire history as a people for all of human existence, God has been trying to come and have a relationship with humanity in a way that would cause true human flourishing. And you haven't quite got all of the picture yet. You're not quite there. You're not really understanding all of it. And Jesus shows up and is the final piece of the puzzle. Helping them fully see everything that was missing. And some of them still didn't understand. Scott McKnight in his book on the King Jesus gospel says this. He says the gospel is the story of Jesus of Nazareth told as the climax of a long story of Israel, which in turn is the story of how the one true God is rescuing the world. Jesus came and he taught and he lived and he did miracles so that he could reveal to humanity how they can have a relationship with the Father. He came and he did all of these things to show us who the Father in heaven really is. So that people didn't assume they knew who God was. So people couldn't fill in the gaps with whatever God they wanted it to be. Jesus came to remove all doubt, to be the final piece of the puzzle, so all who would hear and understand could finally see who the true God is and how we can have a relationship with him. And in our relationship with him, there is a human flourishing that comes about. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and that you might have life to the full, an abundant full, complete, lacking, where, where the circle is fully complete now in relationship. And you don't have to wonder or assume or guess you can fully know who God is. See, this was the fulfillment, the whole complete picture of what the law was trying to tell the people. See, these laws weren't laws to control people. These laws were laws to communicate how to have healthy relationships, how to have a healthy relationship with God. This was all, the law was all about God creating a structure and an environment where he could come and be among his people and they could be in his presence because that's what God has been longing for from the beginning. That's why he created everything to begin with. See, Jesus was helping us understand some things and he was telling stories and communicating and healing and doing miracles and gathering disciples and his entire life was an example, was an illustration, was a long communication trying to help us not miss God. Help us not miss what it looks like to have a relationship with him. And this is why sin is a issue in our relationships with God. 
Because to sin means to do something that hinders the flourishing of our relational connection with God. Sin has a way of separating us from the abiding life in God. Sin has a way of taking us off plane in the abiding circle of a relationship, into the circle of connection with the Lord. It it has a way of severing, it has a way of distorting it, it has a way of of convoluting it, it has a way of, of hurting that relationship with God. And so Jesus was trying to communicate in these parables, in his healings, in his teachings, in his life, trying to help us understand that he is the fulfillment of the entire history in the Old Testament, the laws and the prophets trying to reveal how to have a relationship with God. Not not to be a part of a religion. Not to have rituals in your life. Not to feel good about what you do on Sunday because you felt bad about what you did on Saturday. He did it so that we could have a relationship that is ever growing, ever flourishing, that helps us thrive in our human experience. We, We read it just a minute ago. Altogether, our, our gospel liturgy, that we believe that the gospel is the good news that God our Father, the Creator, out of His great love for us, has come to rescue us from sin, from Satan, from death and hell, and to renew all things in and through the work of Jesus Christ on our behalf to establish his kingdom through his people who participate in loyal allegiance and the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is for God's great glory and our profound joy. This is what Jesus is trying to communicate. But he gives us a heads up and he says, hey, listen, some of you are going to hear the gospel. Some of you are going to hear the good news. Some of you are going to hear the word of God preached and you're not going to understand it. Some of you are going to hear it and you're going to like it. It's just not going to change you. Jesus was as much a realist as he was an optimist. Jesus didn't live in the shadows and he never allowed anything to deceive him. He said there would be people who would listen, but not hear. There would be people who would hear rather, but not listen. There would be people that would hear the words coming out of your mouth but it would go in one ear, right, and out the other. I know there's probably some people that you know, if it wasn't for selective hearing, they wouldn't have hearing at all. Jesus is reminding us this is exactly that case. I don't know if you remember several years ago, there was a really, uh, there was a video that went viral of a, a little boy about four or five years old named Mateo. And Mateo and his mom, Linda, were having a discussion. And Mateo was like, Linda, 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 listen. Listen to me, Linda. You are not listening. No, 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 you are not listening, Mateo. I said, no, no, Linda, Linda, hear me. You are not hearing me, Linda. Linda, Linda, listen to me. Listen to, Linda, listen to me. And this little five-year-old was trying to tell the mother exactly what to listen. And the mother was like, bruh, you ain't listening at all. I'm going to pow-pow your bottom. No, no, no. You don't need to pow-pow my bottom. I am good. Linda, listen. You are not hearing me, Linda. And it was like this failure to communicate. Things were not being understood. I wonder if some of us... We're going to God and we're like, God, you are not listening to me. Listen to me, God. Listen to me. I know how to live my life. God, listen to me. I know what's best for me. God, listen to me. I know what I want in my life. And you are not giving me what I want, God. God, you are not listening. God's like, no, you are not listening to me. I wonder if Jesus felt this way. Like, hey, guys, I've been telling you this stuff, but you're not hearing anything. One of the things that God wanted us to know, one of the things Jesus wanted us to know is, is that not only did the law and the prophets reveal and speak to Jesus' coming, but because of Jesus' coming and what he did on the cross and the writing of the apostles following, we have this thing called the word of God. And it is God's word that helps us understand and see and relate to God himself. And Jesus was telling this story about, about the parable about the farmer who would sow some seeds. And he wants you to understand something about this parable. That it is God's word that is the seed for a fruitful life of allegiance to God. Let me say it another way. It is God's word that is the seed to help you have a fruitful faith 
and belief in God. Let me say it another way. It is God's word that is the seed for a fruitful life to help you have a relationship with God. God's word is the seed that helps us have this faithful allegiance to God, Father, Son, Spirit. And Jesus expounds in this story as to why people couldn't hear and see or understand and comprehend the message. He he was trying to articulate why some of us show up to church and we've heard message after message after message after message, but yet life hasn't really seen the transformation that Jesus said. We're not seeing the flourishing of a relationship with God like Jesus said that we, we could. And he tells us this parable that if we will understand this one parable, I really do believe it helps unlock our understanding of the entirety of the kingdom of God. If we can understand this one parable, we'll be able to understand some of the remaining parables. If we can understand this one parable, we'll understand how we can cultivate a flourishing relationship with God Almighty, even in the midst of a world that is starving for real life, that is hungry for something that satisfies. And one of the things that Jesus points out in this parable is like, hey, listen, the sower is sowing the word. Jesus is tossing out the seed of God's word. Jesus is dropping some wisdom. Jesus is preaching some good thing. God's word is being taught and expounded upon. But but Jesus lets you know, hey, listen, there are four types of listener out there who are hearing the word. Remember, who is Jesus talking to when he told the parable initially? He was talking to the crowd. There were a lot of people out there. Some were going to hear it and experience life change. Some were going to hear it and not understand it at all. Some were going to hear it, like it, be like, oh, that's really good. I'm kind of good with that. And then all of a sudden, it doesn't really pan out. They don't see the transformation. Other people are like, they're going to see the transformation, but then something is going to come along and totally choke out the life that they once had. And Jesus talks about the soil of our heart. And he talks about four things. The first one he says is, here's the pathway. God's word was being preached, but some people, their life is like a pathway. And it said that Satan came and stole what God sowed. And usually, the way Satan steals away the truth of God's word is because he lies and deceives and comes into our life. And he has done so in a way that causes us to not even recognize when truth is. You can see John 10, 10, John 8, 44 for more understanding of this idea. In other words, Jesus was saying this, some of the seeds, some people hear the truth of God's word, but they are blinded and deaf to truth. Jesus has done many miracles up to this point in the gospel of Matthew. And one that he's continually done is open blind eyes. Jesus is trying to say, listen, some people hear the word. They show up to church. They see the message. They watch online. They do all these things. They hear it. Just it doesn't really do anything for them. Why? Because they are blind spiritually. Because the enemy of the soul has created such deception that they can't hear or see truth to begin with. There are people like that find themselves in a place where you're hearing the truth, hearing the truth, and nothing. It doesn't really do, that's cool, it's great. The guy had cool jeans, but I didn't really get much out of it. I don't really understand any of this. There's been a blinding that the, this is why in Ephesians chapter one, Paul writes and he says, you need to pray that the eyes of your understanding can be opened. Until the Holy Spirit encounters people many of them will remain blind and deaf to the truth of God's word because it's a work that the enemy is doing in their life. Jesus says there are some people who are going to hear the word, but it's going to be kind of shallow for them. It's a little plastic for them. Little, 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 uh, woo, that was nice. I felt the goosebumps. But then I'm going to go curse out my brother on my way home because of something that he said in the group chat. And it was short-lived. Woo, that felt good. But come Sunday after lunch and the waiter didn't get your order right and things weren't there, you unleash on them. 
And he says, some of it is just shallow. Some of you, some, some people come to church, some people open God's word and they just want to feel good. They want to be touched by God's goodness, but they don't want to actually respond to God's goodness. They want something from God. They don't want to bring anything to God. Some people are just here. You're just, they just check off a box because the spouse made you come to church and you would rather have your spouse happy than anything else. You're just going to sit here. You're going to hear the word, but it's not actually going to do anything to you because you're just checking off a box in your own heart and your own soul. Some of some people hear the word and they just need a new self-help thought. Give me a little tweetable sentence, something short and sweet that helps me feel better about my life. I don't actually want to get over my bitterness. I just want to feel better about my business and I want to keep feeling better about my sin and better about my life. And it's like, oh, that was a good word. I'll take that one. That helps me feel better this week. Oh, that one's good. I'm going to use that to help to, to tell somebody that they're wrong. Oh, that one's good. And we are completely shallow in our approach to God and self-absorbed. And God's like, hey, listen, you're going to hear the word. You're going to see something good. Something's going to feel good in the moment. And you're going to like it. You might even say amen. Might even start listening to some cool stuff on Spotify. But it's not actually going to bring about flourishing in your life. Because underneath the shallowness of your self-absorbed approach to God, there's actually a hard heart. There's actually some unbelief, a refusal to believe what God is saying is true. And Jesus says, a shallow heart, it's going to look good for a minute, but the minute things get hot, the minute something goes against your selfishness, burns away. It's like you didn't hear anything at all. You, You heard, but you didn't listen. You comprehended, but you didn't understand. And then he says that some people are like the crowded soil. The soil is so crowded. And the crowded soil is often an unguarded soil. Where the soil is fertile and good, but it is not really tended to. So you're just allowing everything in your life. And you're not pulling the weeds, the things that are going to choke away. The busyness that tries to distract you from what God wants you to do in your life. And if we don't tend to the good things in our own heart, the wrong things can grow on the inside as well. And we get distracted and we let the cares of the world siphon the soil's nutrients away from the good seed and instead send it to the weeds of our own life. And the cares of this life. What do people think about me? The cares of this life. Will everybody like me? The cares of this life. What's going to happen in the election? The cares of this life. I got this project on Monday and I'm really stressed and worried about it. All the while, God's trying to tell you how to flourish in the midst of those things. You're just consumed with the cares of this life. Not sins. Just cares. And the cares of this life start siphoning away all of these things. There's deceitfulness of riches and desire for other things that are not God. They all get our best energy. And so we sprout up and we see some fruit in our life, but the enemy is there to bring about distraction in our life. And if the devil can get you distracted, instead of treasuring God as the first love of all, he's perfectly happy with that. Where you can grow a little bit, see some flourishment a little bit, and then it gets choked out eventually. Where it's short-lived fruit. Where it's fruit that shows up quick, but then it fades away later on. Satan knows and can quote scripture so good to you. And he knows though that if, but like him, he doesn't treasure it nor obey God's word. And he's trying to get us to do the same thing. And the cares of our world and the deceitfulness of riches and our own preferences come and choke out what God is trying to do in our lives. So many people, they, they hear the word, they believe the word, they understand what the word is saying. And so they're like, I need to be generous. And they start to be generous until they hit money problems and they stop. And now fear and anxiety about money has risen in their lives, overwhelming their mind. And where they once had peace and faith, they now are anxious and fearful in every way. And they stop doing the thing that they once did. They start, you start following Jesus and you start have daily time in scripture and reading God's word and having a relationship. But then uh, football season comes around and you got distracted by Sports Center every morning trying to make sure your fantasy football team is all good. I'm just preaching to myself right now. Y'all, I just need to hear, remind myself. You started to attend a connect group. 
And you realize, man, I value, I need relationships. You know it, you hear the truth, you accept the truth. Yes, it's good. But then the crowdedness of life creeps in and you stopped going to group. You stopped thriving in your relationship. You stopped being accountable to other people. You stopped caring about other people. And now you're upset, you're offended all the time, you're judgmental, you're critical, and you become so self-absorbed that you have zero compassion for other people because you have now chosen to isolate yourself and it's still just about you. There's some things sprouted out, but there were some other things that came and crowded all of that fruit right out. We start, and then we stall out. We start, it's truth, it's good, it's amen, yes, I'm going to do that, and then we stall out. We start, and then we stall out. We start, and then we stall out. It's the roller coaster. In the end of Matthew chapter 12, I don't, I don't know if you picked up on this last week. But Jesus ended a whole thing about deceitfulness, about treasuring God, about rejecting the the move of the Holy Spirit in your life. And he says this, he says, um, when an evil person, when an evil spirit leaves a person, in other words, somebody's eyes are open, they're no longer blind, somebody experiences the life of God. Something, God sets people free. We hear a word, we hear a message, we have an encounter in worship. Something happens in our life, it's good, it's all, it's wonderful. An evil spirit leaves a person. It goes into the desert, seeking rest, but finding none, the evil spirit says, I will return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds its former home, the former life, swept, empty, and everything is in order. Many of us have had an encounter with God. We were in a moment of crisis. And we came to God. And God is faithful to meet us in our moment of crisis. He's faithful to show up and give us help. He's faithful to give us his spirit. He's faithful to set us free. He's faithful to forgive us. He's faithful to give us help and encouragement. We show up and we've been set free. We're like, yes, yes, I'm good. And he cleans out all of the things in our life that need to be cleaned out. And he puts everything back in order where everything was a hot mess and chaotic in your life. And he helps bring order to it and set it in place. And it's all there, but it's still empty. And the Spirit says this. It goes and it finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they all enter that person and live there. And so that person is worse off than they were before. We're following God. We're following God. We're hearing the word, amen, hearing the word, amen. We get free, we clean, things are good, crisis is over. And then we just get distracted. We settle in and we stop pursuing God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we wonder why life got turned upside down again. We wondered why we fell back into some of the same patterns that we had before. We wonder why we keep going back to things. Of course, then Jesus says that there's good soil. The life that hears the word, receives it, and it produces something. They hear and they understand. But, well, Pastor, this, it's great. Like, I, I want my heart to be right. I want to be right before God. I don't, I don't want to start and stall out. I don't want to, like, what do we do? How do we, how do we have the good soil, the good fruit? How do, how do we really flourish in life? How do we listen and understand? How do we listen in a way that allows us to know and learn more? Here, here's the, the whole point today. I want us to understand something. Friends, listening is not passive. Listening is active. In fact, it's active stewardship. Stewardship is when you receive something that didn't originate from you and you take care of it, grow it, multiply, tend to it as if it was your own. And it grows. God honoring stewardship is always growing. Whatever's in our hand, it's growing and it's being developed. It's growing and being developed. Listen, Jesus said this in in chapter 13, verse 11, 12. Let me remind you what it said. He replied to his disciples, you're permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But others are not. To those who listen to my teaching... 
more understanding will be given. And they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. This word listening is really interesting. In the original language, it's the word echo. If you're overly American, you would say echo. E-C-H-O. And in the Greek, this word echo is kind of got a wide semantic range of understanding. It can mean a lot of different things depending on its context. And one of the things that it means is to hold on to and bear with consistently. In other words, it has the, the word picture that you receive something, you hold on to it no matter what. There are no fumbles. You're holding on to it. You've got the security of it. And you're carrying it with you everywhere you go. You're bearing with it. In your life, it becomes a part of you. So where you go, this truth goes. Let me say it another way. To listen, as Jesus was implying, was to not just hear what he said, but to accept what he said, obey what he said, and apply it into your life. This, is, this reminds us of how he ended his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7, where he tells the parable about, about a man who builds his house on a rock and a man who builds his house on the sand. And the only difference between the man on the rock and the man on the sand wasn't that they heard different teaching. They heard the same teaching, had access to the same truth. The only difference between the man on the sand and the man on the rock was the man on the rock heard the teaching and obeyed the teaching, applied the teaching, took one truth from it and said, you know what? I'm going to integrate that into my daily life. I'm going to integrate that into how I live. I'm going to integrate that into my life. I'm not just going to hear it, agree with it. That was good. Amen. That's a good sermon. I might share that with somebody else because they definitely need to hear that. I'm going to hear it, I'm going to allow it to hit my heart, and I'm going to obey it. Jesus is hinting at the fact that if you will begin to apply what you hear, you will see the fruit that you want to see in your life. The, the key to having a heart of good soil that produces the life of God in your life, the key to it is not just hearing truth, but receiving it, agreeing it, and integrating it, applying it into your life. Successful communication is not just when someone is talking. Successful communication is not just when someone is talking and someone is listening to that person talk. Successful communication is not when somebody talks and listens and then responds affirmatively that they heard what they said. It's good communication, but it's not successful communication. Successful communication is when someone talks, someone listens, someone responds that they heard, and then they do what they heard. That's successful communication. That's what Jesus is trying to get us to understand. Anyone can have good soil because everyone hears the same word but not everybody is going to apply and integrate into their life bear up listen to the truth of God's message let me say it this way all of the crowd got the parables all the crowds got the teaching only the disciples got understanding. Only the disciples understood. I, I think that's intentional. Why? Because there's a difference between the large audience by the lake and the privacy of the disciple in the house. It's very personal. It's different. It, I think there's a, a very difference in being somebody who sits in the crowd and hears things, and a disciple who hears, listens, understands, gets gains more, and then lives it out. What, what, you know, they say that the most uh, effective way to retain and understand what is being taught is not just to hear it and write it down. It's not just to hear it and talk about it. It's not just to hear it, read it, write it, talk about it. 
the most effective way, exponential returns on, on, on understanding and comprehending what you hear is when you teach it to someone else. When, when you, don't miss this, become a disciple maker. When, when you begin to recognize, like, I'm learning stuff from God. I'm hearing it. I'm understanding it. It's doing, I'm beginning to obey it and apply it. And now I'm going to teach someone else how to do the same. We, we've defined discipleship this year as a church in the simple ways. Those who hear and understand the truth of God's word. Those who practice the way of Jesus, obey and live it out. And those who help others to do the exact same thing, friends. Let me draw another parallel. Some of us are not seeing fruit from the word of God in our life because we hear it, we agree it, but we're not applying it and we're not helping other people learn what we know. Some of you have attended church for years, but you've repeated the same cycle of maturity. You're, you may have had 12 years in the church, but you've only had one year of maturity that you repeated every single year. Why? Because you have heard the truth, but you have not applied the truth, and you certainly have not created an outlet to teach other people the truth. If you want to grow, if you really want to gain more understanding, if you want to unlock the secret like Jesus said, then you'll listen, you'll bear with it, you'll carry it, you'll apply it, and you'll help others do the same because it's the disciples who got to understand the secrets and the mystery. disciples let me say it this way your understanding will grow when you share it with other people one of the safest environments for you to share what you know with other people is to attend and join a connect group where weekly you'll gather with people to talk about what God is doing in your life and what you're learning and what you're learning together so, some of you you've attended groups in the past or you know it or Maybe there's not a group that fits for you and you've been around church for a while. Maybe it's time to lead a group and actually create a big outlet for what you do know. Yeah, but I don't know everything. Yeah, welcome to the club. None of us do. Being a disciple is about taking what you do know and teaching that to someone else, which creates more capacity for you to learn some new things that you can then give away to somebody else. And then you can learn and you can give it away and you can learn and give it away. And each time you're growing your capacity and the soil of your heart is getting richer and richer and richer and richer. Your understanding grows when we share it with others. This is why we come to the Lord's table every week to share of communion and to, to demonstrate something to those who would look and watch and see that the bread and the juice have profound impact for our lives. Every time, Jesus said, every time we, we eat the bread and we drink, we are proclaiming the message of Jesus until he shows back up. And it's a beautiful thing that we get to do. Would you stand as we kind of come to a moment of conclusion this morning? And if you have the elements and would like to participate, we, we invite you to. Here at Faith Church, we serve what we call an open communion, which simply means this. If you are a follower of Jesus and you want to participate in communion, man, we welcome that. Maybe you're not really a follower of Jesus, but you want to be. What a great moment to stand, to take the elements and say, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God and he has the power to change my life. What, what a great moment to do that. Would you go ahead and just get the elements open? You can kind of open up and get the bread out. And then after you have the bread, go ahead and turn the cups over and you can open it up and have the juice. And we'll all, we'll all partake here in just a minute all together. But I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes just for a second. And just ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? Are there things in my life that I've not obeyed? Are there things in my life that are too busy and crowded and are choking out what you're doing? Jesus, we're grateful. Jesus, as we stand here with the bread and the juice, the bread represents your body and the juice represents your blood that poured out. 
Lord, and as we partake of this, we're, we're really proclaiming what you've done for us, Jesus, that, that you died with us, and that's our identification in you, that you died instead of us, being our representation and our substitute, and you died for us, which incorporates us now into the life of God that we get to participate in. Jesus, we believe in you, and we need you, and we want to follow you and teach others to do the same. Lord, this is our commitment today, to not just be hearers of your word, but to be doers of your word who help others to hear and do your word too. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. Thank you for this bread, which is your body broken for us. We eat in remembrance of you. Let's take the bread together. Jesus, thank you for this cup, which represents your blood poured out, which brings forgiveness for our sins. Thank you for your forgiveness, God, that cleanses us, makes us right, and brings us into full relationship with you, God. We receive and remember your sacrifice. Let's take the cup. You just hang on to those cups in a minute when we dismiss, you'll be able to dispose of those at the door. Our host will collect them. Let me pray a blessing over you. Father, I thank you for my friends and family here. I pray, Lord, that you would bless them and you would keep them. I pray, Lord, that you would make your face shine on them and be gracious to them. Jesus, that you would lift your countenance towards us and give us your peace, your shalom, your wholeness. And we pray everywhere we go, Lord, you would draw us into obedient relationship with you as you remind us that we are radically loved by you. We pray this in the name of the Father who loves us, the Son who died for us, and the Holy Spirit who lives within us, we pray. And everybody said, amen. Hey, friends and family, I hope today's message was life-giving for you. I want to ask you to take a next step and go ahead and click the subscribe button so you never miss another chance to have an encounter with God. And while you're at it, take another step and share it with a friend. Maybe post it on your social network or text a coworker the link. And when you do that, you are partnering and get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in them. Hey, if Faith Church has made an impact in your life, if these messages are helping you gain traction in your faith, would you consider partnering with us financially? When you do that, it helps us widen our reach so that more people can have an encounter with the real Jesus. You can find information and ways to give on our central hub, faithchurchks.org. If you're if you live in the Southeast Kansas region, we'd love to see it in person at one of our Sunday services. You can find those times on our hub as well, faithchurchks.org. Hey, remember this, God is for you and we love you.